I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Father Brian Eckrich in. He's going to tell us about a woman from North Dakota. Her name is Michelle Dupong. They have just opened the cause uh, for her sainthood up in the Bismarck Diocese. And um, we want to talk to Father Eckrich because he was very heavily influenced to become a priest by Michelle Dupong. We want to hear this story. So he will be coming in soon to tell us that. First, we have Dr. Chris Bergwald in the studio, waiting for me to let him in. Come on, Dr. Bergwald, you may speak now. <laughs> Why am I here? To do all of us, I'm sorry. Biblical Bites with Dr. B. I, did, I shirked my duties. You did, in your <laughs> zeal to keep me out as long as possible. <clears throat> uh, what's today, Renee? <clears throat> oh, no, I just... Ha! Ha! Uh, 16th? Very good. I had to think about what your memory is improving. It's improving. Those natural herbs and supplements you're taking are helping you out. (laughs) I have to try something. (laughs) Uh, So again, what's what? What's what? The ABC cycle. What? What? Where and see. And the gospel. And the gospel is most of the most of the gospels. Luke. Uh, and we've been looking last couple weeks. We looked at Luke chapter 10. Mm-hmm. So I want to look at Luke 10 again here. Now it's possible. It's possible. This is what I was deliberating before we went on the air. You were really concerned about my state of mind. I He's think very quiet. Oh, and I, very... I was li- there were, all three readings have little nuggets. Oh, so I was really deliberating, okay, but so we're going to start with the gospel years. We'll get some more yeah, from that. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Can't wait. To- so the gospel reading is last week we had the famous passage in where oh, we talked yes. about last week. Yeah, Good Samaritan. Right. And and shortly thereafter after the Good Samaritan, we get another famous Lucan gospel account. Lucan. Wait, wait. Lucan. Wait. Casey, have you ever heard that? Lucan? Uh, I have, I think. Really? You guys are not reading enough scripture scholarship clearly <laughs> really? to uh Lucan. Lucan okay. is a thing. Is it Markin then? Yeah. And Mathian. And, I would say, see, I would say like Marky, Marky Mark. And and guess what? Like, <laughs> Wasting all your time. <laughs> guess, by the way, guess what the uh, adjectival form uh, used in Bible scholarship with regard to material from the fourth gospel is? Jonan? John. I don't know. Casey? Joanine. Uh, so you're, you're going the right direction, Casey, but Joanine, because yeah. in German or in English, we say the J. He definitely might. has a, an advantage over me on that. I feel like he has many, advantage, one whole he has year many advantages over you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the gospel, Martha and Mary. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Jesus entered, entered a village where a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat beneath, beside the Lord at his feet, listening to him speak. Martha, burdened with much serving, came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Sounds like my house. Tell her to help me. The Lord said to her in reply, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part and it will but not be taken from her. How does it sound like your house? Like who's Martha and who's Mary? I don't, it's not me and Jermaine, my wife. Well, it's the figured. kids. It's the kids. Oh yeah. yeah. They're not helping. They're not doing their part. <laughs> <sighs> This is what you have to look forward to, Casey. Just wait. <laughs> um, what? Poor Martha. Yes, poor Martha. She's just trying to be hospitable and take care can, of her yeah, guests. I kind of can feel for her. What's the deal? Mm-hmm. Jesus? Somebody has to feed them. Here's the deal. What is the focus in the midst of doing her work? What is the focus of Martha's attention? Not Jesus. Not 
What's the focus of Mary's attention? Jesus. Jesus. But hers seems to be solely on Jesus and not on anything else. So is that a- right? So here's the thing. There's there's a way in which we can live our lives where we are attentive to Jesus. So I'm not there yet, but if I were there, I would be aware of how Jesus is present to me through you and through Casey right now. Mm-hmm. That's that's a reality that Christ is present to me in in every present and every person that I encounter. Mm-hmm. I'm not for, far along enough, far along the path, far along enough, far along enough on the path. Thank you yeah. to, to be consistently recognizing his presence to me, but there's a be a, uh, so Martha, must Martha, be a very silly, much more silly than I think he is. Then if he has to be present to you through me, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got a great sense of humor. He, must, he definitely it's does. Silly. <laughs> um, so there's a way, so, so in, in, or in our work, mm-hmm. when you're sitting there editing the Bishop's Bulletin, mm-hmm. Christ is present to you in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. There's a way for, for us. It's not like we have to divide our attention. What we're called to do is recognize how he's present. I'm called to recognize mm-hmm. how he's present to me through you. I'm called to recognize how he's present to me when I'm replying to emails. Mm-hmm. When you're on a phone call. On a phone call. Yep. All that, whether it's I'm with somebody or doing something, he is present and I'm called to recognize how. That's the issue. So again, as you rightly said, out of the gate, the issue with Martha is not that she's working. It's that the focus of her attention is not Jesus. And Mary's is. So how would she do that? Like, would she be trying to kind of listen in? Well, it, could, it could be. I mean, you, okay, let's be or? honest. Like Jewish, yeah. first century Jewish houses. It's, it's not, not like she was way concept. up on. Yeah. I mean, no, it is an open. Well, well, that's true. They were quite tight. They yeah. were. Yes, yeah. they were. Right. Jesus is right there. <laughs> she could be aware of, I think she's just understandably sort of getting caught up in the fact that yeah. I'm doing all the work. She's not. Right. right. No, but she is being present to Jesus. And you actually, Martha, could do both. Mm-hmm. But she, now later, Martha, it's all good. We see that later on, especially in John's gospel, Martha and Mary, or Martha and Jesus are buddies. But that's the point here. <laughs> all right. Thanks for that, Dr. B. You bet. In the studio with me today is one of my favorite priests and one of the favorite guests on our show, actually, whenever he comes on, Father Brian Eckrich, the views go up. It's beautiful. Oh, yes. <laughs> Welcome, Father Eckrich. It is so good to be here today. Yeah. So you are um, the parochial administrator at St. Joseph the Workman in Huntmer and St. Rose of Lima in Garrison, and just recently also the... Um, how do you say it? The Chap- chaplain. chaplain I was going to say penitentiary. Yeah. So. Yes. So that's a whole new thing for you. Yeah, that's whole a new whole world. new ball game. But yeah. it's going exciting. okay. It's going okay. <laughs> Two weeks in, but okay, good. <laughs> we'll have you the next time we have you back um, after it's been like a year or so when you're in that. We'll ask again that and just be, see how that's fun, going. That'll be a fun interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we wanted you to come back in because um, we have a young woman in a diocese close to us in the Bismarck diocese who is uh, her, an investigation into her life has been opened in that diocese for, to see if we, how do they say it? To see if we can open a cause for sainthood. Yep, is that how cause, it works? Cause for canonization. Yes, yes. So that is Michelle Dupong. Yes. And Father Eckert knew her pretty well. And he was one of the, she was one of the um, inspirations for you becoming a priest. Yes. Is that a way to say it? Yep. Okay. So we wanted to bring him in. He's been itching to tell us about what he knows of her, 
the story and uh, he's been waiting until kind of things have uh, come to fruition as far as her um, investigation into her life. So uh, Father Eckert, will you start? Just tell us a little bit about Michelle's, uh, her, her life and family that you know. Okay. So Michelle actually grew up, she was born in Colorado. Oh, that's right. Um, in 1984. And then shortly after she was born, her parents got the opportunity to begin farming um, about 45 minutes west of Bismarck, I would say in the town of Haymarsh. Haymarsh is not much of a town. I was going to say, it must be small. <laughs> it's very, very small. It comprises now of a, a few households mm-hmm. and St. Clement's Catholic Church. Oh. Um, so that's where she grew up in this rural countryside, pretty much just a simple farm girl. Mm-hmm. I know that she loved being on the farm, uh, helping out in the farm and the gardens. They had, I think later on, they started growing a vineyard. Oh, wow. And then, and then after, I forget, she would have been 2002, I guess she would have graduated high school mm-hmm. and went off to a North, North Dakota State University where she got her degree in horticulture. Um, kind of continuing that desire to pursue agriculture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was there at the NDSU Newman Center, I know that she got involved as a student herself into FOCUS, the Fellowship of oh, Catholic sure. University mm-hmm. Students. And that's where that program influenced her life in a way then that when she graduated, uh, she decided to become a FOCUS missionary. And so I believe it would have been fall of 2006, where she was spent one year as a focus missionary at University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Okay. Um, and then two years at South Dakota State, mm-hmm. uh, two more years at University of South Dakota, and then one year, last year at the University of Mary. And then after that- University of Mary is in Bismarck, Bismarck right? Bismarck, okay. yep. Yep. And then she made some connections up there, and then she actually got hired on with the Diocese of Bismarck to be the right. director of adult- Formation, mm-hmm. education, evangelization. I forget what the title, exact yeah. title was. but yeah. uh, So that's what she ultimately, I guess, through all that, I mean, just had a real love for introducing people to encounter Christ. Right, right. And she did a fantastic job. Yeah, that. obviously. Um, I did read a little bit about her, and it does seem like that um, rural upbringing and the farm life was really important to her, really kind of formed her. Um, she came from a real strong Catholic family, the yes. way I understand it. Yep. I forgot to mention she comes from her parents, uh, Ken and Marianne, and mm-hmm. then she has their six kids in the oh, family. Wow. Yep. And five, she, five, girls, one, five girls and one boy. Was she like in the middle, if I remember yep. right? She's somewhere in the middle. Okay. Okay. So she has lots of brothers and sisters. Well, one brother. Yep. Lots of sisters. Yeah. <laughs> that poor boy. <laughs> yeah, <Jeff. laughs> uh, okay, good. So she grew up like many of us did. Yeah. Um. And I really loved how you said they got the opportunity to move to North Dakota. <laughs> Some people would see that as a bad thing, but it really is for them and for many. Moving to that rural area is a huge opportunity and a blessing for their lives. So I like how you said that. That was great. I noticed it right away <laughs> from a girl who grew up on a farm. So, <laughs> Okay, so will you tell us how did you meet Michelle? Okay. So I was a student at South Dakota State, mm-hmm. and it would have been my sophomore year, fall of 2006. Focus showed up for the first time at the SDSU campus. That was their first time there, huh? Yep. Okay. They just set up shop, and Michelle was on the original team of four missionaries. Mm-hmm. And 
So I have to admit that I did not have in focus. Um, it's, you know, the guys work with, with the male missionaries and the girls work with the girl missionaries. So I like never was never in discipleship with Michelle, but mm-hmm. obviously spending time at that Newman Center, you simply see people. I got to admit, it's kind of silly that I remember my first encounter with her. Um, she's a very joyful person, mm-hmm. just authentically happy. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that as somewhat of a more cynical personality, thinking people really aren't that happy. She's <laughs> got to be faking it. What? There's something. I remember like, I'm going to actually want to spend more time with her because I want to catch her off guard. <laughs> I could totally see you and, thinking that too. <laughs> and then like, as I kind of just doing ordinary things, just hanging out, um, seeing her at various events, seeing her at mass, you know, it's like, no, this this woman, this is this is authentic. This is real. Mm-hmm. And then this this growing desire, like to ask the question, well, why is she so happy? Mm-hmm. What does she have that I don't or that I could have? Right. Can I ask you a question right there? Yeah. What does I think when when <clears throat> people say she was very joyful and happy, can you describe what that looked like with her? I'm asking a question that I didn't prepare you for. But like, what does what was she doing in her life that made you say she's really joyful and happy? Some people know what that looks like in real life. I think the first thing that comes to mind is simply appreciating the moment. Okay. Encountering in an authentic way mm-hmm. those people around her. Okay. That when she would speak with you, whether it be a serious conversation or something silly, it's like, she really wanted, she really cared about you in that mm-hmm. moment. It wasn't just like a nameless face, mm-hmm. like I'm doing my job here and I'm trying to get a, as many people at this event. Mm-hmm. It's just like she had that desire in the moment to be with you. Okay. And that's what I guess maybe where I saw her. And, and she was like, I guess her happiness came, I think, in encountering mm-hmm. the individual mm-hmm. in that moment. So not a complainer. Obviously. No. It's always happy. Yeah. And people saw it. It wasn't, you figured out it wasn't fake. Yeah. yeah. Very quickly. Good. Okay. So continue. Now that I interrupted now you. Now what was the original <laughs> question? <laughs> well, we were talking about how you met her. Oh, and, yes. Yes. And how she impacted yep. your life. So so I guess after those original first encounters, um, what defines her, I think, at least for me, is invitation mm-hmm. that she, as I said, she authentically cared about you as a person, cared about me. Mm-hmm. And so she would invite me to all sorts of things, simple things sometimes like, hey, you know, we're going to go to lunch. A group of us are going to lunch at the student union. Would you like to come? And oftentimes, regrettably, I would say, no, I'm, bu- <laughs> I'm busy. That's always kind of my initial response. And then mm-hmm. sometimes, but then it was bigger things like, hey, would you like to go to the the Focus National Conference in Orlando, mm-hmm. uh, would you like to go on the student leadership retreat in a, was it January at down at Broomtree, mm-hmm. you know? And and then a lot of times I would say no, like, oh, I really don't want to. Do you want to go up to the family farm? No, why would I want to do that? <laughs> but then her persistence, where it was almost kind of obnoxious, where she, she wouldn't. In a good way. In, a, in the best of ways, where. <laughs> She wouldn't accept no. I might, she might, I might say no, and she'd be like, okay, that's fine. We'll just think about it and pray about it. And she wouldn't tell me. Then maybe like a couple days later, a week later, she's like, so did you, are, are you going to come along? What did you think about it? What? 
She didn't give up on people. No, she, and that's yeah. maybe one of the things. It's like once she kind of set her sights on a person, it's like she she didn't give up on mm -hmm. you, and that's maybe why she was this this pers this holy this persistence. I mean, eventually, then you're like, okay, okay, yep, I will I will make a trip up to your family farm. Okay, I will uh, finally attend the spring break trip mission trip to the Bronx mm -hmm. in New York. You know. Mm -hmm. And it was then those moments then, you know, an eagle eye retreat up in, up in Fargo um, at that seminary at the time, you know, those were then the moments that opened up for me kind of this, this growth of faith mm -hmm. to encounter something more, to encounter Christ in a more, in a, in a deeper way. Mm -hmm. So I guess it was, it was through that way that Michelle had that impact on my life where she encouraged me, invited me into those kind of foundational experiences I had in my life to say, okay, um, I would like to take my faith more seriously. Right. And she was always there at those events too, mm -hmm. just, you know, constantly drawing me closer to Christ because she's always, it's like the other thing too, like with her, it's, you could often, you could really know that she in a personal way knows Jesus Christ mm -hmm. through the simplicity of her prayer, whatever yeah. that was. And then the, the, the privacy of her own heart. Mm -hmm. um, but it, she, and she, she authentic, she'd invite you ultimately to events, but what she was ultimately inviting you to, inviting me to, was an encounter with Christ. Mm -hmm. And through many ways, big and small, I guess, she brought me there. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So did you, um, did she speak about her faith very often? I mean, I know as a focused missionary, I guess, okay. I, when I was in college, I never had a focus missionary come because they, they weren't on campus yet. That was a long time ago. <laughs> um, do they just invite you to things and kind of let you take that path yourself? Did she speak about her faith? Did you, was it very obvious to you besides the fact that she was inviting you to things? I mean, can you describe some of that? I guess I think some of the, the places where I had conversations were in the moment, like when we were on a spring break, on the spring break trip to the community of St. John, which mm -hmm. is out by Illinois, like we got to take a long, long car ride. And I think I was in the vehicle with her and it's just, uh, those kind of conversations, okay. um, where she just shares aspects of it, it's, it's strange. It's almost like a, just a regular conversation about, you know, um, I don't know, talking about like, Hey, what do you think about that homily today that, you know, I we went to daily mass or, Mm -hmm. You know, what on the way back, you know, what did you think about, you know, what was your, your favorite ex best experiences about this, this retreat, mm -hmm. at the community of St. John's, mm -hmm. just kind of those moments of sharing and open. Um, and I guess that's where I got to, maybe that's maybe more just an, but that makes sense because what, what you're describing is that like she made those things about religion and faith into like everyday things. Yes. And that's maybe why I have a difficulty explaining yeah. stuff now because it's like, were there explicit moments? Mm -hmm. Yes, but they were so, I say, just simple, mm -hmm. not not mundane, but it's like she just could weave it into ordinary conversation where it wasn't awkward. It's mm -hmm. just, let's talk about this kind of like, so. Um, so for you, yeah. did she then, um, was it obvious to you in the moments when you were deciding to become a priest that this was partly at least Michelle's doing? Or is this like a look back 
10 years later, oh, hey. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's definitely a look back because in the moment, like I said, all these things mm-hmm. are small, seemingly mm-hmm. insignificant, but it's over time then you kind of put the puzzle pieces together and say, okay, well, uh, you know, it was this Eagle Eye retreat where I first encountered, you know, the community of St. John. I encountered my first ever encounter with the thought of St. Thomas Aquinas, mm-hmm. you know, and how that shaped me and all this all these things, and then it's like, okay, well, and I don't ever remember Michelle like saying, like, "Hey, Brian, I think you should be a priest. Think about it." I think, I don't. Maybe she had some inclination of that, or maybe mm-hmm. like she saw something in me. But it was this just gradual progression. Where, mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. in the moment of all these things, yeah, it's what like I had had no idea where it was going to lead. How tricky she, how tricky know, she, she was she, being, she, right? She's, she's tricky. <laughs> she's tricky. You know, I think that's though, but that's how, that's how we actually encourage, I think, young men to think about priesthood is to talk about those things. And actually, even if she didn't ask you directly, if, Hey, have you ever thought about being a priest? But to ask that question of young men. And that's really the way of discipleship. That's the way Christ did it. He just said, Mm -hmm. Hey, you guys fishing, come follow me. He didn't, he didn't like say, Oh, by the way, you're going to be one of the 12 apostles to establish the (laughs) universal church for the salvation of all mankind. They probably would have been like, yeah, no thanks. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like I can't do that. So they didn't, they didn't see it was coming and neither did I. (laughs) Right. Right. That's a good way to put it. Uh, If you just joined us, we're talking to father Brian Eckrich about his experiences with Michelle Dupong, who is uh, her life is being investigated to be accepted. Her cause accepted to be um, looked into as a saint. So um, we don't have very much time left, and I knew this was going to happen because it's quite a story. I don't want to miss anything, but um, she was diagnosed with cancer. Yes. Uh, when was that? I believe it was December 29th of 2014. Right, right. Okay. So were you still, you were still in touch with her friends with her at the time? Yep. I had, I guess at that time, like being caught up in the life of seminary and that, that whole summer I was down in Omaha for IPF. Mm-hmm. Institute of Priestly Formation. So uh, I guess, yeah, we had, I kind of distantly have remained in touch, but mm-hmm. ultimately, I guess, even not so much with her, but like the rest of her family. Okay, sure. Um, how did that diagnosis change her faith? Or did it? Oh, it did. Did it? I believe that moment, that moment of her life was not an interruption to her mission of evangelization, mm-hmm. and, but it became the principal moment, I believe, of sanctification. Oh, wow. To enter into, you know, suffering. Mm-hmm. That suffering has a purpose to purify one's soul. Mm-hmm. And I think for her, I mean, the initial shock of saying this is this diagnosis, but then slowly being stripped of everything, mm-hmm. you know. I know she she had a, a boyfriend, um, there, I think she was serious about getting married and having a family, and I believe t- perhaps taking over the family farm and just having children, mm-hmm. and even then being told, like with her diagnosis, like you won't ever have children. Oh, even if she survived the cancer, yeah, oh. because they had to remove a bunch of bunch whole bunch, of- whole bunch of stuff that, mm-hmm. yeah, would have been necessary. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then from there, just as the Things progressed or declined, you know, her health just becoming worse and worse. And and towards the end then just being in pain, mm-hmm. like having tubes come out of your rib cage and mm-hmm. not being able, because it was intestinal cancer, so they had to remove a, 
chunk of our intestines, not even like being able to eat wow. or drink, mm-hmm. drink water. I mean, towards the end, that's, I think, a great deal of suffering. Yeah. Um, and I think it's in those moments of being stripped of everything that as, as you know, St. Saint, Saint, uh, John the Baptist says, uh, he must increase, I must decrease. And I think mm-hmm. is that proportion as, as she lost control of everything, mm-hmm. she opened that door then in a more radical way to invite Jesus Christ. Right. To guide her. And that, because that's all she had. Right, right. And honestly, suffering a lot of times is the thing that really solidifies yeah. a saint, I think. Yeah. And then also, I must add her desire to offer up that suffering for the conversion of others, mm-hmm. that she saw the value of it. And so I know in speaking with the family, she would, she'd say, like, you know, I hope I pray for the conversion of, of so and so, or mm-hmm. we need to pray for, and, but she would, that's what she would. That, that's what she would use her suffering. Use her suffering for. Right. Right. Uh, that's the best way to deal with suffering is to yeah. use it for others. Yeah. I want to try to get two questions in quick okay. before we run out of time. <laughs> um, did you? Was there any thought in your mind before her death that she could be a saint, or was it after? Well, it was after. Okay. And I think it was the first thoughts, maybe like. I'm not quite sure when. I know this was a question I was supposed to prepare, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I mean, you always kind of think it's like, well, this is a possibility, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, she was a good and holy person, mm-hmm. um, and even the family I know had, as I spend time with them, they've said there's people that have inquired about it, and just kind of like, oh, well, that would be nice someday. Yeah. But I, I hate to admit, it's like you kind of never actually seriously think, well, it's, right. like, it's actually going to happen. Right. And so when it did, what was it, uh, last month, was it June 12th, mm-hmm. when that announcement was made, it's mm-hmm. just like... Here it is. I'm just like <laughs> speechless. Mm-hmm. It's like a total surprise. Right. And even the, speaking of the family, they, they weren't even certain that That was, was my other question for you, was <laughs> what, what does the family think of this? Yeah. It's, like I said, it's a total surprise. Like mm-hmm. even they didn't exactly know that this was going to happen. Right. Um, so when they got that call, it's just like, wow. Um, and I think for them now, it's this reality of balancing the farm life with now this possibility of maybe as time goes on, mm-hmm. it's like they're going to take on a more public role. Very t- true. To do. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the family. They know much more about her than mm-hmm. I can ever admit mm-hmm. to knowing. And so perhaps interviews, you know. And that'll all be made perhaps part of life. And it's just like, yeah. and I guess they're not quite sure what that will look like. <laughs> right. None of us are. This is, right. Canonization is not something that happens often. Right. But, this is all new for yeah. all of us. All of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, ha- I have a feeling there's a lot more to this story. Um, after we're done here recording, I'm going to talk to Father Eckrich and see if we need to do a little overtime and talk about more. But for now, we'll have to end it. So... Thank you so much for coming in, Father Eckridge. I so appreciate it, and I'm glad you got to talk about it. Uh, You can always find us at sfcatholic.org for more information about our diocese. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic.